0: This is a Podfire Production.
1: This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people and once a week I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum and this is Awesome Humans. About seven years ago, I was mentoring at a startup weekend when a young school kid pitched his idea of putting together tablet computers like Lego. I went on to mentor him that weekend and we struck up an amazing friendship that was not challenged by the age gap, but only the fact that this 13-year-old actually thought like I did. It's not often you find someone who, th- who thinks like you do, but to see that young kid was pretty amazing. I went home that night and I said to my wife, I've just met the f- future Prime Minister of Australia and he's only 13 years old. Taj Prabar is a young Australian entrepreneur. He's the founder and chief executive officer of 56 Creations, an Australian education and youth organisation which aims to teach school students, parents and teachers about entrepreneurship and financial literacy. He started 56 Creations while still in high school at the age of 14. They've now educated over 50,000 Australian students. He was named 2017 Queensland Young Australian of the Year and the youngest Australian young innovator of the year in 2014. Fuck! Look at this. This is going to get better and better. <laughs> Barry is best known for his work in youth entrepreneurship and the future of work commentary. He was the 2014 Australian Young Inventor of the Innovator of the Year. The 2016 Anhill 30 Under 30. He won that one. And in 2017 was a pretty big year. He was top 20 in the Westpac Business of Tomorrow, the Queensland Young Australian of the Year, and he was nominated. The Australia National Australia Day Council of Young Australian of the Year. Bloody hell, buddy. How are you? Welcome, Todd. Good, mate. Awesome. No, thank
0: you for having me, Brett. Thank you. Gosh, it certainly I like that was Was seven it seven
1: years. years or eight years ago? <laughs> six, six or seven, actually,
0: I think. I'm twenty now. Oh, so I must have so, been. Yeah, it was seven I think years I ago. just turned fourteen. So
1: yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Like, it's been a couple of years, so thank you for having
1: me. <laughs> no worries at all, buddy. So I still remember that day you and one of your mates come into that startup weekend. I think it was my second one that I'd done as a mentor and you guys pitched and we're going, who the bloody hell is that? What are these kids doing here? And then you pitched and it was like, actually, that's really cool. Let's, let's have a little play with this. So from there, you've now turned yourself into a, 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 a real entrepreneur with a massive business. Yeah, like... It's kind
0: of weird thinking, like, it feels like a lifetime ago, and I'm, like, 20, but it feels like a lifetime ago that we were actually doing tablets because, like, I loved the new concept. It was a do-it-yourself tablet for kids that we pitched at the Startup Weekend um, back when we met. And, like, that was my life. It was my life for about two years. Uh, and um, I guess, yeah, kind of over the last couple of years, we've transitioned to kind of focusing more on entrepreneurial education and getting young people focused on starting your own business and learning some really incredible transferable skills, um, which we think are fundamental for growth and development. So that's been a it's 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 been a it's been a crazy
1: couple of years. So so let let's go back because this this podcast is all about you. We want to hear who you are, where you're from and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this this is this is one of those questions that I ask everyone when we first start is how far back can you remember? Like what, what's your first sort of ever memory you can think of? Like, in the world of business or? No, just in life. In life. <laughs> um, like, I remember doing,
0: like, I got into a lot of trouble at school, so my parents <laughs> like to keep me very occupied. Um, and so much so, they made me do swimming on a Saturday morning for about two hours, and it was, like, the middle of winter and I was having to do, like, Saturday, like, 6.30 a.m. swimming and, like, I remember just crying, so... That's probably one of the youngest memories of me being maybe 10 or 11 years old and them just saying,
1: swim. So
0: that would probably be, <laughs> that would probably be one, probably the most positive one, but um, certainly so where, one that where, I will never forget.
1: Where were you born? I was born
0: in the UK. Um, so mum was, was born in England, uh, went to school in England, went to university in England, had a first job in England. Um, dad was brought up in East Africa in Kenya. Uh, and decided that you know what we will not have charge in uh, in in Kenya. We want him to have a British passport. Um, so just before she was about to give birth, they uh, popped into England, and um, so that I would have a British passport. So um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not
1: dodgy at all, is it? <laughs> so we'll just, we'll just go and have a baby here so he gets the right password i love it that's brilliant and i've got the right
0: password now so i'm happy.
1: <laughs> so being born so when did you move to australia then
0: oh like instantly so they kind of decided like as much as we love family we don't want to be around family so yeah. they decided to um actually, as you can see i come from an indian background uh and they decided that you know what let's do something very different let's go to a brand new country away from everyone um the furthest place from kenya and england was let's go to australia uh <laughs> and no so i like
1: moved here and we
0: were like six or six months to, to to one year so
1: no australia's home so you um you moved straight to brisbane or where'd you just go yeah like they decided brisbane was a the place There was the uh, um
0: yeah, like so. 20, 20 years ago, they moved here when I was literally born. So, um,
1: yeah, we've been here for 20 years. And so you went to uh, you went to school. Where did you go to school? Where was the first school?
0: Yeah, so I went to school, um, went to one school over the course of uh, – so kindergarten, I did Montessori, which I think has a fantastic curriculum on uh, creativity and critical thinking and just basic problem-solving at a very young age. Um, and then I went to school in Logan at John Paul College Um, which turned out to be I loved my final years of school, wasn't overly interested or engaged in the first few years, but (laughs) loved it in the end, uh, and they really did uh, come round towards the end.
1: So did you, um, you went there from sort of year one onwards, did you? Same school. Prep, prep, yeah. Prep, Prep, wow.
0: Um, So now spent spent 13 years there.
1: Wow. And so during those sort of early years, you were um, not interested, (laughs) or were you just naughty, or what was it? Yeah, like naughty,
0: disinterested, didn't enjoy. I just could not connect the dots, right? Um, Sitting in the classroom, doing things like uh, long division, to me, did not make sense. Because in the real world, I can't remember the last time I've ever had to, I've not had access to a calculator. On my Apple Watch, I've got a calculator. On my phone, I've got a calculator. On my computer, I've got a calculator. To me, I just could not understand that if our generation is going to be based around the digital economy, there's never going to be an instance where we don't have access to a calculator. Uh, and really, we should be spending my idea was, well, let's spend more time applying this knowledge rather than just reciting it. And I think looking back now, that was probably why I was so disengaged because I just could not see w- the purpose behind the work that I was being asked to do.
1: And do you think it's because no one could explain it to you as well? Like, no one could explain if you question them, because a lot of teachers and a lot of these people don't get questioned, they just, that's what you do. And is it because you questioned them? Do you think that's the reason why? um that that sort of put you on the naughty side of things
0: like to be completely honest
1: i like pretend i i don't think i ever
0: questioned them i never i was never vocal i was like i just wish there was i guess a slightly more real world understanding behind the work we're doing um in the sense today we're going to be learning about um say long division because not just for the sake of learning but we're going to be learning this because um, we're going to be teaching long division to teach you about problem solving, and this is when you're going to need these sort of skills in the future. Because I think a lot of the teachers do want to teach creatively, a lot of the teachers do want to kind of teach in a very entrepreneurial way, but the education system is obviously incredibly crammed. There's a lot of content that teachers are being forced to teach, despite them not actually believing they're a core skill. Yeah. Um, so I think there's obviously multiple parts to uh, to the problem, and because um, we know teachers do want to. Teach a lot more creatively, and if they had the capacity and the autonomy to do so, we probably would have a lot more uh, creative
1: and entrepreneurial kids. But they don't have the time or the capacity to do it. So, but let's go back to when you were like a, a youngster, because you're not that old now. Yeah. But when you were like a lot younger, when when you didn't know this stuff, but this stuff was still going around in your head, and yeah. you are still questioning things. And do you take that home? Do you uh, do you sort of go home and say, "Hey, Mum, why the hell am I learning this?" Or is it just something you just kept embroiled in yourself? You know what I mean?
0: I kept it completely in my head. I never spoke about it. I was a quiet kid. I was a nerd growing up, but not a clever nerd. So, like, I, didn't, I was an Indian. I had brown skin. Um, I loved technology, so I knew I was in the brightest in the when it came to computers and ICT, but yeah. I had no clue about any other subject. Um, and I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to speak. I didn't know how to, how to, like, talk to people. I didn't know how to convey my ideas. So, like, now, as you said, looking back at it, I can kind of see, well, Purely, the issue was I could not connect the dots. Had I known that some of these skills would actually be useful in the future or how I could make them useful in the future, um, potentially the situation would have been very different. But, yeah, ended up with about three or four suspensions by the end of primary school. um, And what did the teachers think? Did (laughs) they just
1: think you were naughty during that stage? Like, did they think that he's actually just not doing what we asked him to do? He's, He's just not that kid. And also, were you bullied back then? No, I wasn't. Wasn't bullied,
0: um, which I think like that's our, we probably passed the stage where like nerds were bullied by that yeah. stage. Um, I think like I was always at the back of the classroom. I was disruptive. I didn't focus on my own work. Um, I like honestly, I I remember. So actually, look at first memory potentially around then. I just remember not doing anything in class. I didn't want to do it. I didn't see the purpose of doing it. And the teachers never really motivated me or even, like, coaxed me into actually doing any work. Um, So it was kind of – I kind of just went through, like, primary school. Um, There were certain stages that I was engaged in, but on the most part I went through primary school without really finding um, much interest in any of the things I was learning in
1: school. And you're obviously in a different world now, and we'll talk about that shortly, but – there must be so many kids that are exactly the same as you like because i was yeah i was i was yeah, the same. in school mate, i went to school for yeah. a good time i didn't go there to be educated i went yeah, there to yeah. come and play sport but yeah. at the same time um there is so many kids that literally sit in the back corner um yeah know, they,
0: they just got forgotten
1: yeah and 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 people are oh, there they don't they're not engaged they're not this they're not that it's like well, have you actually tried? Have you actually spoke to them about why they're sat at the back of the room? Have you so spoke to them about that? It doesn't happen, does it? Like, and the core
0: problem behind it, it it doesn't happen. I was one of the kids who was um, certainly uh, fit that criteria. The reason it doesn't happen is because you've got one teacher to 30 kids. Like, how can one person manage 30? Like, a workplace doesn't even do that. Um, How can you expect a teacher... Who's paid very low compared to the work they do to actually manage to look at the individual needs of students when they've got 29 other kids to to deal with. So the root of the problem really is class sizes, Um, and that's. But yes, it does happen, and it frequently happens because, like, we just it it doesn't make sense for one person to manage 30. Um, There's a reason workplaces don't do it, and it's for that one reason: you can't do it. Yeah, that's what's happening in education.
1: And so when did things start to change for you? When did you sort of, when during, obviously at 13 you met me and that changed your life. But other than that, (laughs) when did things actually change for you? When did you realise I probably should apply myself now or or those sort of things?
0: Okay, so I had a tech blog at the age of 11 that I started uh, where I was writing reviews about the latest electronics. So on weekends, my hobby, I wasn't into sport. I wasn't into academics. What I was into was going to JB Hi-Fi or Harvey Norman on the weekends, like staying there for a few hours, grabbing my dad's 3.2 megapixel Canon camera (laughs) and taking pictures of all the electronics. That was my hobby. Um, I loved doing it. I enjoyed it. And I did it. Um, So at the age of 11, I started a tech blog where I'd be writing electronic reviews about the electronics sitting in JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman and whatnot. And that was probably like the first time I kind of realized... And that was in grade four. We got our first computers at that age as well. And that was probably the age where I was like, you know what, business might actually be for me because I'm enjoying like writing reviews. I'm getting paid for it because Google wants to put like Google asked me to put ads on the website um, because they saw the amount of traffic the website was getting. Um, like that was kind of the moment I was like, this is kind of cool. Like I might not necessarily be I might not necessarily be that consistently disengaged human. I could actually have a, a some sort of life outside of the classroom. I can still be incredibly disengaged in the classroom, but I can actually have a life outside of the classroom as well um, or at the back of the classroom. And that's exactly what I did for a few years until what, we met. What,
1: yeah. what sort of traffic
0: were you getting at the age of 11? So on Apple keynote days, we'd be so when Steve Jobs or Tim Cook used to announce like the new iPads and whatnot, yeah. I'd be live blogging um, like those events and we'd be getting like 100,000 views a day Um, And then on an average day, we'd be getting around 50,000 views per day, unique views from people like either lots of old people or lots of young people who just wanted to know the basics about technology. Because like at the time, you had like people like TechCrunch and CNET who were writing some really complicated articles. Old people, all they wanted to know was, was it fast? Was it slow? Was it nice to type on? Was it portable? Was it heavy? Was it light? I didn't know any different. I didn't know about whether the graphic chips were um good or not all i knew was did it look cool was it fast was it slow was it heavy so i was writing most basic reviews based on my understanding and lots of old people wanted to read it because that's all that that's, that's all they cared after. about as well
1: yeah so, um, well, so what was mum and trailer. dad doing during that time well, they're, they're obviously starting to see their kid now he's getting a hundred thousand views online on a daily basis did they understand like I, i've met your mum and dad and and yeah what, what, what were they thinking during this time? Or were they just worried about, they threw you say, three in the pool and made you swim?
0: <laughs> so <laughs> mum followed a very traditional pathway. She was pushed very well in school, ended up doing quite well in school, went to university, did her traditional university pathway, did an internship, junior job, middle, senior. So she followed a very, very, very traditional pathway. Yeah, Dad couldn't afford to go to university. He finished school, went straight into employment. So, kind of had two. Like, Mum was like, "You should do well in school." Mum's um, parents were also like, my grandparents were very big advocates for that pathway as well. Um, and then, like, Dad was a bit more like, "Like, don't get expelled from school, but we don't really have an issue with what you're doing." But like, I had no intention of telling him I was doing this tech block because, like, I was on probation. So. Like, one step (laughs) out of line at school, like, I would have been, like, out of the place. Um, And they always threatened me with, like, we're going to send you to some, like, really, like, rough schools. So I didn't want to get expelled. I just kept getting myself into situations where I was getting into trouble. Um, So, like, I didn't tell them for about three months, maybe. Um, Didn't tell them anything. Um, It was more just, like, um, had this blog was doing in the background at the back of the classroom. Like I had my dad's camera, so he knew I was taking pictures of them. He just didn't know where, like, what I was doing at them. Um, until like it was three months into the website, Google actually recognized the amount of views this website was getting because we were hosted on a blogspot platform. So it was on a gl- Google like platform, yeah. system. Um, so they were like, they didn't realize until three months and that's when they were like, all right, let's put Google ads on the website. they didn't know my age. So, I put a fake name, fake address, and a fake <laughs> date of birth. Um, and it wasn't until like three months in, where the minimum threshold for actually getting a check was 150 US dollars. We were like, although we had heaps of views, like it was only converting to about ten like US dollars a day of like clicks. Yeah. Um, so on weekends, we'd be getting like, like I'd be clicking on all my ads at JV Hi-Fi, and then on weekdays, just the average person would like potentially just mistakenly click on the ads. So we reached the 150 US dollar threshold pretty quickly um and it wasn't until like 6 to 8 weeks later when the check was supposed to actually arrive from San Fran google san fran to 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 Brizzy that i realized oh shit like i put a wrong like fake name fake address <laughs> and a fake date of birth um and that's kind of when i had to come clean and was like so i've got this business it's actually making money like it's not like um like it's actually doing like really great things and dad was like like he he was like great, happy as long as you Well don't done, spelled, son. <laughs> we don't have an issue with it Mum was just like like what are you doing? Don't like it. You should be studying. Um, and, like, still to this day, I think mum still wants me to do a university degree, and I probably will at some point, but um, dad was a bit more, like, we don't really have an issue with what you're doing, just don't get expelled. So um,
1: I had the best of both worlds. It's quite funny because one of my favourite books is obviously Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, and yeah. it seems like you actually lived that lifestyle with your mum and dad in the fact that you've got the education point of view and the entrepreneurial point of view. So it's a pretty cool way to be brought up when you're looking back now.
0: Yeah, like I I guess obviously um, you don't want two sides that are like, oh yeah, just go, drop out of school, do whatever, because um, that could obviously cause a lot of problems. So certainly I had a good balance. Um, I wish my mum was a bit more... Open to me doing it from an even younger age, <laughs> but that's okay. I got there. I got. You I got, got there, there in the, the end. end.
1: <laughs> so you go when when in high school, did you realize actually, like, yeah, I'm going to have a bit of fun now, and uh, um, I, I am going to finish this. So I'm going to get through. What, what sort of year was that? Like the tech book just got me engaged. Like when I
0: started making, like, like I think it was when we got when I got my first check. I was just like, like this is cool. People are actually like interested in the, in, in what I'm doing, they're not just like, it's not just me talking to myself on a blog. Yeah. I'm actually, um, like, like people want to read what I'm writing. Um, and Google is actually paying me for what I'm writing, which I thought was a pretty cool combination. Um, doing something I loved, which like I truly loved it. Um, and, uh, the mix
1: of, um, Yeah getting paid for something you love was, was a nice combination. And so you got through to year 12, you graduated. I did. Yes. Not Uh, very well, but I graduated. (laughs) Did you, are you going to tell us what sort of OPs you got or or how'd you go?
0: Yeah. Like I got an OP 10. Um, It was an equivalent of a nine because I did Spanish as a language. So if I went to university, I would have got a single digit OP. Um, an OP9 equivalent. Um, what's that mean? What's that mean
1: for people that don't understand what OPs are? Explain that to us. How how stupid that system is.
0: (laughs) Like I did very averagely when it came to my traditional education. Um, The good thing was though, um, the work that I would, the subjects that I did in school were subjects I felt uh, I would actually use uh, after school. I wasn't studying in school to get a good op i was studying in school to learn skills that i thought i was going to need in the water business for, yep. for for the work i was doing um so i guess like prior to in when when we met i was in grade 9 i think grade 10 um and that's when i started the whole 56 tech block tech uh do it yourself tablet for kids um so kind of fin- before finishing school had had a new initiative that i was quite excited by something that i felt had the potential to 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 to, I guess, kind of create a, create a really awesome impact. Um, but yeah, so um, I did finish school in the end, so I'm glad I finished <laughs> it.
1: 56, where's the number, what's the number mean? What, what's the, what, why 56? Yeah,
0: sure, okay, so the numbers five and six in numerology means opportunity. Uh, and we thought, hey, our vision at 56 Creations from the very beginning was to give every single young person, regardless of their age, gender or postcode, the opportunity to have access Uh, to entrepreneurship Uh, at the start we were giving people access to entrepreneurship through a do-it-yourself tablet for kids we called it the Lego of the 21st century and then kind of into our current work it's all about giving young people the opportunity to start their own business and getting young people living in regional communities the opportunity to start their very own business and actually kind of contribute back to their, their their local economies as well so we thought we'd name the organization our vision
1: love it so 2014, you were so six years ago. I'd say you were 14 years old. Was that right? Mm, yeah. The Australian, the Australian Young Innovator of the Year. What was that? Yeah. So
0: it was like the Australian newspaper. Um, they had this like award thing and pitched the idea to them, and they really quite liked it. Um, it was um, like I we got so we, I got shortlisted um, in school and like. Mum and dad were just, like, the, the award ceremony was in Canberra on a work, on, like, a, sc- a school night. Um, <laughs> it was, like, it was like on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. And, um, like, they were paying for everything. They were, like, we'll pay for your flights, we'll pay for a parent or guardian because I was 14. Yeah. Um, and the ceremony was, like, being hosted by Ian McFarlane, like, at the time, who was the Minister for Innovation, the Federal Minister for Innovation under Tony Abbott, um, as well as the Assistant Treasurer at the time, Arthur Sinodinos. And I was like, this looks epic. Like, I mean, I'm a finalist for the award. I should go. Yeah. And um, mom and dad were like, no, uh, like, you've got school. Um, and, like, they literally said you can't go. Um, and, like, they probably thought I was going to get the award. Um, and I didn't even, like, after they said no, like, they asked for RSVPs, like, months before. Um, so, like, we I had to say no because, like, I couldn't go on a plane to Canberra by myself. Um, and... We said no, and I, I just completely forgot the ceremony was on. And, like, I think the Australian magazine, like, tweeted, a, like, an article saying I'd won. And I was like, what? Um, and, <laughs> like, it was presented by, like, the Assistant Treasurer um, as well as the Minister for Innovation. I was like, bloody hell, I should have gone. Um, and so that was a cool award. It gave us so a lot of win? media coverage.
1: What did you win, a trophy, cash? Yes, yeah, so we got some cash and, like, a
0: really cool trophy, um, like, I don't know where it is, but it was incredible. A oh, really? incredible trophy. Um, like it was like the Innovation Awards trophy um, with my name on it. Um, so it was really cool. And I think like yeah, so we got some cash, which was some seed investment I bought. I always had on my visualization board from a really young age that I wanted a MacBook Air 11 inch. And I don't like I, I don't know if it was like it might have been ten or twenty grand or something. Um, and the day it got transferred, it was my school holidays. And I got my dad to take me to JB Hi-Fi, like the place that I would always be for like (laughs) years when I'd be writing tech reviews. And I bought myself an 11-inch MacBook Air using some of that money. So um, I remember that quite distinctly because it was my very first computer that I ever bought myself using my own money, um, not like for my school computer or a computer that I might have fixed. But it was like my first brand new computer and it was my dream MacBook um using yeah a kind of the prize money so that was a cool award it was certainly like the first award for me actually so um no <laughs> we, i got very lucky
1: and since then you've won a few more the what, what what's the ant hill 30 under 30 yeah
0: like like i saw that pop up and i heard you say that earlier um <laughs> and you have like, no, no idea what it is do you? I, I i googled it <laughs> just before um so <laughs> like i I, I can't speak too much about Antiole, but the the one I think I was really um, honoured to obviously be presented with was um, Queensland Young Australian of the Year. That was something that um, so that really was in twenty seventeen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it opened up a lot of doors for our organisation. Um, it helped promote our, um, I guess, some of our youth unemployment work. we actually working with kids who who can't afford, um, I guess, an education or afford an entrepreneurial education in particular. And I think that were like. Just super lucky to be presented with that award, but it's a, it turbocharged um, the work we were doing in regional Australia, which I think I will forever be grateful for because it's opened up just amazing opportunities for us as certainly a lot of the kids we've worked with as well. So I can't, I can't speak too much about the Ant Hill one, but um, certainly the, the Australian Queensland. Year one.
1: Well, that's um, got to was, be pretty special yeah. though. Like, and I know your mum and dad are, are sort of, you should go to university, but to win the Queensland Young Australian of the Year, they must have been pretty proud of you.
0: Yeah, like, um, like it was presented by the Premier at the time. We got tea with the Prime Minister. We had, like, afternoon tea with the Governor-General. Um, and, like, just being around some of the people, um, that cohort was just, like, it was nuts. Like, um, <laughs> you had the Prime Minister sitting in front of you. Um, people were more interested in, say, the other Australian of the years um, than, like, Malcolm Turnbull was sitting there by himself. Like, I've got a picture of... Um, my like my sister and my mother in the Prime Minister's courtyard. no one was talking to Malcolm Turnbull. everyone was with all the other people and he was just there by himself. Um, which probably like is a good like it's
1: a reflection there uh, really isn't obvious, it?
0: a good reflection of his prime ministership that he was always in obviously a, a very isolated place within his party. but um, I think like it just opened up doors for our organization. It was incredible. We were able to expand our work from like during that one year I think we worked with that. 25,000 kids and that was just as a result of that award um, which was just unreal so like one year to work with 25,000 kids was something we never thought we'd be able to do and that happened in 2017
1: 2018 that's amazing and then you then you got nominated for the young Australian of the year on Australia okay. Day you go down to Canberra and yeah uh, I, that must be a pretty uh, pretty surreal feeling as well
0: yeah it was cool like it was like it was incredible, um, just seeing how government worked, um, like getting to meet just everyone. Like, like it's very unusual to have all the ministers, like the cap, the federal cabinet ministers, in one place, and like, like it was, It literally just boosted our work on so many levels, um, which, like, I don't think that that award does carry. Like, it gets a lot of okay, maybe not a lot, but. Over the years, it's had some interesting press. Um, but I know as someone who was part of that process, um, it boosted our work and allowed us to impact a lot more people than if we hadn't been awarded um, that, that recognition. So, look, it boosted our work. It allowed us to get into the schools of a lot more young people and get to communities that we would have never had the opportunity to get to. So, look, I think that opportunity was a once-in-a-lifetime.
1: Mm. It's really interesting talking to you because you—it's never about you, right? It's always we, the company, all this sort of stuff. And these are accolades that you've got, that you've won, that you've been nominated for. And I understand you're surrounded by really good people. And don't get me wrong—I mm. don't mean that as a negative—but it just goes to show the type of person you are. That it's not all about you. It's—it's—we're doing this for a greater cause.
0: Oh, I love my work, I—I—I I, <laughs> I, I, I am very proud of the work we've done, um, and. Like I think I've got the best job in the world. It's it's like whether it's like uh, in terms of my personal, um, I guess, kind of, uh, I like I just love it. Um, <laughs> I, I love what we do, um, and I think that's probably what makes makes it probably a lot easier than say obviously working in a job that you don't necessarily love. And you're doing um, you're doing what like, you want
1: to do. That's why, isn't it? It's it's something that you really actually want. Everything. To do. Yeah, yeah. like everything I do now, I
0: only do things that I really want to do. Um, and if that fits into, I guess, kind of the, the, the makeup of our organization, then fantastic. Um, because I do love what I do. There are some days that I, I'm tired. There are some days that I'm stressed. There are some days that I, uh, there are some elements of the work that I don't like doing. Um, but 99% of the time, 99.9% of the time, I love what I do. Um, just
1: because it's a new day every day. It's, it's, it's exciting work. And you're now becoming a uh, commentator on the future of work, commentary and all that sort of stuff. Um, you're now you're still thinking the same way you were when you were a young kid. Like, why why aren't we learning this stuff? Why aren't we doing this stuff? Why are, uh, the school education yeah. system's broken? We know that. I, uh, yeah. I I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for the fact that it's shit and it needs to be fixed. And at yeah. the same time, is the fact that. Kids need to be listened to. Uh, we, we do a uh, Australian Business Week every year. They do some stuff in schools, and we go mentoring mentor in the schools. And one of the yeah, things nice. I, I always do is I always pick that kid sitting at the back of the room that no one talks yeah. to um, to be the CEO for the week. And everyone's going, what would you pick him for? He's not the like yeah, – yeah. and it's because that kid at the end of that week actually becomes someone like you. is is someone someone that actually Mm. is given the opportunity and i think there's not enough opportunity out there for kids at the moment to do that Uh, the the work that you're doing with underprivileged kids and underprivileged schools now is amazing and 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 but at the same time there's a lot of those kids in mainstream schools there's a lot of those kids that are just not looked after um Mm. they're not not parented that's why i look at it um it all comes down to how Mm. how these people are are parented and um and the new book i'm writing which is called the kids aren't born assholes they're taught to become assholes um, hits the nail on the head in the fact that these kids aren't parented and they're not even at schools and stuff is the yeah. fact that they don't get given these opportunities because no one really gives a shit yeah so to me the work you're doing in that space is is unbelievable so tell me about that tell me what 56 yeah, yeah, sure. does Give me, give me the uh, the pitch yeah
0: Yeah, sure. Okay. So, 56 Creations is a social enterprise. Um, We deliver in-person workshops uh, in schools uh, during school holidays and in regional communities to get young people to start a business. And we do that to solve youth unemployment. Um, So, we really think entrepreneurship is a very feasible way to get young people out of the unemployment crisis. We're all affected by unemployment. You and I pay for it, uh, like with our taxes. um, The young people who, obviously, uh, they experience it. Um, A lot of them... Uh, As you said, um, they're in some incredibly difficult situations in many cases because their parents might not necessarily have the financial literacy to guide them otherwise. They might not have the money uh, understanding of how to manage our welfare spending. And we believe that with the right education, with that right mindset, with the right resources, they can use some of that money to actually start their own business. And we're not asking them to make, it's impractical to think a child going or a community that's Entrenched in, uh, say, has been relying on the the welfare system for an extended amount of time. It's unlikely that as a community they will make million dollar businesses, but it's very practical for those communities to make 20, 30, 40,000 dollar businesses, which would kind of be equivalent to the wage of if they went to find a job. The issue is there is no work in their communities. A lot of these communities have 50, 60, 70% youth unemployment, and that's only going to rise as a result of COVID. So we kind of want to get young people to think about what are the sort of problems in their communities and how can you use technology and innovation to solve them? And when we come up with them, how can you actually monetize them? So if that means, hey, we're going to come up with soap in our communities because we don't have access to cheap soap. Or, hey, we're going to come up with an eco-tourist pack for the Sunshine Coast. And these are the sort of ideas that we've had in the past. These are some of our alumni students, and they're actually making real money. It's not just coming up with ideas, but they're actual ideas mixed with investment mixed with revenue and a lot of the kids we're working with right now are actually turning their ideas into a reality and collectively uh, through our programs we've now had the students that have gone through the programs make three hundred and fifty thousand dollars or more of revenue or investment generated directly as a result of a 56 creations program so um it's exciting it's cool work um and the kids are actually starting businesses so
1: no it's it's good fun that's pretty cool so the commentary and stuff that you're doing, like on Sunrise and all these different TV shows and stuff like that, you seem to be the the, the go-to young bloke, if 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 I can mm. put it that way. How how did you get involved in that to start with? Just got a phone call out of the blue, or because because you seem to like the commentary yeah. about unemployment, a, a commentary is about bullying, and there's all different topics that they seem to get you to talk about. How did that start?
0: Yeah, sure. Okay. So like we've obviously worked with a lot of kids, um, through, through our work at 56 creations. Um, I've been super lucky to obviously run, uh, or even co-run a lot of those workshops as well. Um, so kind of had the opportunity to, to work with easily 30 or 40,000 of the 60,000 kids we've worked with so far. Um, throughout that time, I've, it's not just purely been us talking and them listening. It's been them sharing some of their stories as well. Um, so I think we've been lucky. I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of kids and potentially media has kind of seen that as a, as a nice opportunity that I kind of represent a lot of those kids, potentially. Um, we also conduct research at 56 Creations um, okay. where we go out, we conduct and it's not we, we commission it and it's done through external agencies so that the results aren't biased. Uh, and we've done research with small business owners, medium business owners, big business, parents, and educators. And we do that on a regular basis, where we kind of talk to them. Well, what are the skills that you guys are going to need from your workforces of the future? And a lot of that research does seem to be quite newsworthy because it is a very it's, it's it's an interesting topic. What do big business look for from an employee, or what do teachers want to teach in their classrooms but don't have the capacity to? And I think a lot of that research has become quite newsworthy, which. It's kind of made our organisation quite um, quite, a, quite a trusted uh, organisation when it comes to youth entrepreneurship.
1: And what do you do the research for? Is there is there a, a bigger picture reason?
0: Yeah, like it informs our workshops. We obviously want to be teaching okay. incredibly uh, up-to-date content. There's no point teaching content on the skills of the future if we haven't asked the people who are going to be employing those young people. So we did a piece where we spoke to big business and... The research, well, the results from that research piece was, hey, big business 10 years ago needed tech skills. They needed young people who could code. They needed young people who could program computers. But in the workforce of the future, the 2030 workforce, what they need from their applicants, what they need from their young people is the ability to communicate. They want them who they can public speak. They can negotiate. They want young people who can kind of work in groups who can collaborate and come up with new solutions uh, and creativity. And I guess kind of those skills are all entrenched within soft skills. They're all soft in general, but really are the hard skills to learn because you can learn computer programming from a textbook. You can learn computer programming from an online course, but you can't learn communication or creativity uh, from a textbook. You need to kind of experiment with public speaking. You need to experiment with collaboration and teamwork. They're all skills that are innately human. Um, and that kind of informed a lot of our work uh, where we only teach soft skills now. Our work is based around teaching young people about creativity, about teaching young people about communication, about teaching young people how to work in groups uh, because that's those are the skills that kind of employers want and employers are demanding.
1: And so the, the group you've got together at 56, your crew, yeah. they all seem sort of around your age. You haven't got any old diggers like me. But you've got um, – but what it is, is, do you think that the kids, because you guys are also seen as young adults, do you think the kids actually associate better with that?
0: Yeah, like we're developing for content for kids by kids. Yeah. Um, now, I'm the second youngest in in our organisation, so it's kind of increased – we, we felt the need <laughs> to um, get some – I guess, more expert advice um, from people who kind of had a career um, rather than people who are just passionate, um, yeah. which is incredibly useful, but potentially don't have any of those like technical skills, which can be tricky. Um, and again, but a lot of our facilitators who actually deliver the program are young. They're people who can relate to the kids. So we're not really building a student-teacher relationship. We're building a student-student relationship which we think is, um, like, it's massive because the kids really feel like they're talking to mates. They're learning from mates rather than learning from a teacher. Um, And if we only have a few hours with the kids, making that connection in a really quick and concise way is fundamental and that's exactly what we're able to do when we walk into a classroom.
1: And is the future of this to create your own education system or create your own school or create your own or take over from a schooling system point of view? Is that the end goal?
0: Look, we we kind of see us complementing the work that teachers are doing. Um, I think there's a place for traditional education. In one sense, I wouldn't feel comfortable if, say, my doctor or my lawyer didn't go to school very well or go to university and do very well, right? But, to say, a pathway down to business and entrepreneurship, I think we can complement that traditional pathway. Um, having external providers like us, um, we're not just teaching them, like, like the kids are actually starting real businesses. Um, yeah. We've got kids right now um, who are like, they're making real revenue. Um, yeah. They're contributing back to their local economies. That's the change that we want. We obviously want them learning new skills. We want them learning innovative skills. But most importantly, we need them to make revenue because when they make revenue and they start spending in their local communities, that's how you get the community out of a, I guess, out of a crisis. Um, and as, as a result of obviously this, uh, this this Chinese virus it's inevitable that new solutions are going to be required uh, and giving young people the platform to actually start their own businesses um, in their local communities not get them out of their own communities but actually start them in their regions we think is um, a really innovative way of actually doing it so
1: look it's fun it's fun work. I, th- I think you find though some old skills are required as well some yeah? skills that, have, that we've lost yep. some um, So the manufacturing industry, these sort of industries that we've actually sent offshore. Um, Mm. Now, I think one of the things that COVID has taught this country is, oh, dear, maybe we sent too much offshore or maybe we've sold too much off. We actually need to get these regional areas where we've got countless amounts of space and and people to actually actually bring this stuff back. And I think that's something critical that uh, we need moving forward.
0: And I've seen your Facebook posts about that over the last couple of weeks. I think our reliance on China has certainly been... um, Look, the economy is rebounding quite significantly, but our unemployment figures are still going to be quite high in next couple of years. Um, Toowoomba has just hit, I think, just under 25% youth unemployment
1: um,
0: as a result of COVID. Um, Young people are going to be disproportionately affected by this crisis. Um, And as you said, the opportunities are endless, right? The advanced manufacturing industry... We don't need to compete on price. And I think um, the Minister for Industry, um, Karen Andrews, made a speech about this in the National Press Club last week that Australia can't be competing on price. We've got to be competing on, I guess, our unique skill sets. And if we can kind of create a generation of young people who aspire to be in manufacturing, not low-skilled, low-paid workers, but high-skilled, high-paid workers in advanced manufacturing where they're not like cheap goods, they're actually quite innovative goods, Things like the lithium manufacturing right now we 've got we produce the world 's lithium, but we export it to China, um, and we get paid pennies of the dollar of like the cost the, uh, the manufacturing process of converting the actual lithium and turning it into batteries is the like that 's the bit that costs a lot of money and we sent it straight to to China. If we had say a strategy to bring some of that lithium manufacturing back the lithium processing back to Australia. To me, that would be exciting because that's promoting new industries, it's promoting manufacturing, and it's getting back people back into work. and They're not low paid. That's not low paid work, because manufacturing in China or lots of manufacturing and advanced manufacturing sectors in China, advanced manufacturing in Japan, they're considered high paying skills.
1: Oh, definitely. Uh, because it
0: requires a unique skill set, um, and I think that's an opportunity Auss- Aussies have, and that's something I really hope uh, and I have trust in the Australian government to obviously follow through with some of those things as um the the minister said in her press club address last week
1: so let's talk politics because as i said to my wife that first day i met you is that i think i've just met the uh future <laughs> prime minister of australia is and you are very vocal um which i love mm. and of the, the fact that you call a spade a spade um you call the labor government on there what they shit they do and you call the liberal government on the shit they do as well you're very impartial from that point of view can we see Taj Papari one day in government?
0: Look, it's an industry I've always been fascinated <laughs> with. Um, I, 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 yeah, I just Yes, yes or no?
1: Yes or no? <laughs> yeah, it's
0: yeah. certainly something I'd explore um, in the future. Um, I think there's so much government can do to help small business. Australian small businesses, uh, like yours and mine, are the heart of our country. Um, yep. It's... The core to being Australians, it's our Australian dream to own a small business, to contribute, to pay tax, and at the end of it, in times of crisis, we will look for support from the Australian government for all the tax we've paid. Um, that's what makes Australia, Australia. Um, I think there's a lot the Australian government and the Queensland or the state governments can do to support small business. And I think if if there's an opportunity for me to contribute to that framework, uh, whether that be... Uh, in whatever capacity, it's certainly something that I'd 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 love to consider because I think there is a place for government. Um, and hey, if I think I can do it better than the government at the time, then I would certainly be interested in looking at that pathway.
1: So, could we see a 56 political party in the future?
0: <laughs> Look, I, I'd probably pick a a major party. I consider myself <laughs> quite, uh, quite, quite a centrist. I believe that young people uh, who are in a very Disadvantaged situation should be, should be given the tools, the resources, and the finances to get themselves out of that situation. But I also believe uh, the best government is a small government. Um, so I consider myself a centrist. I think that would still mean me joining a a major party. Uh, but <laughs> look, I think uh, I think what both the state government right now, on the most part, they're in a super unprecedented time. What Scott Morrison's doing on the federal part, and certainly what. Palace doing here in Queensland is admirable. They've done a good job. but They've steered us through potentially one of the biggest crises of our, or of my lifetime. And they've done it really well. So look, uh, right now I have no intention because we've got good leaders, um, but who knows what, what that might look like in the future.
1: <laughs> Fair call. That was really well politically said as well, mate. So <laughs> If someone come up to you in the street and says, what do you do? What do you do? What are you? Are you an entrepreneur? Are you a CEO? What do you do?
0: I'm an entrepreneur who teaches young people how to be entrepreneurs. Love it. What's an entrepreneur? I think an entrepreneur is someone who changes things. Um, I think someone who changes things to kind of push the world forward.
1: I think that would be my definition. It's funny. I, I did a lecture at Bond Uni once to this, this group and I said – You're a lecturer now. Oh no, mate. I've just done a couple here and there. And I said to this group, I said, what's an entrepreneur? And this one guy yeah. said, oh, you start businesses. Another guy at the back of the room, you know, that means you're unemployed. And I said to him, do you know what, that's the best answer I've ever heard because, yes, it means I'm unemployed. I never want to be employed. I never want my kids to be employed. Yeah, I want my yeah. kids to employ your kids. And this guy just looked at me and go, oh, fair enough, okay. True. Uh, and, and that's the way I look at this thing, and that's the, the, the fact that you're teaching people to be able to do that I think is, yeah. is very admirable, mate. One 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 more Thank bit you. of advice I want from you before we go, before we get into the, the really hard questions. My 11-year-old son, he's in year six, he's about to go into year seven. What advice do you give someone of the age 11 for the next five years of their life? Try everything.
0: Like, honestly, I think, like, even picking what you – like, when people ask what do you want to do when you grow up, like, it is such a stupid question. It's like, so bad. The average, <laughs> the average child going through school today is going to have 18 jobs in five different industries over the course of their career. Like, what even if you have an idea of what you want – when you finish school, even if you do a business degree, on average, this generation will have five different, will have a, like, have a job in five different industries. Like, to me, that's just nuts. Yeah. Um, and that kind of means you've got to be training young people to be resilient, adaptable in particular. Um, so really the advice would be just try everything like put your hand up for everything if you if there's a leadership position go for it if there's a um, if there's an opportunity for you to attend a conference go for it if there's an opportunity for you to meet someone new go for it if there's an opportunity for you to go with your mum or dad to a meeting go for it because like you'll learn something new from everything and just say yes to everything
1: uh, it's, it's amazing you say that because my eldest daughter she's in year 12 and she yeah. near- Obviously, they've been affected this year, and her, th- yep. her thing is like, I still don't know what I want to do. That like, it's in, we're in yeah. May, and uh, and she's got to pick what uni she wants to go to and what she wants to study mm. and all that. And I said to her, look, I don't care. Like seriously, yeah. as long as you're not yeah. sat on my couch um, yeah, exactly. next year and you go and get a job, I don't care. Or go to university. Yeah. It's entirely up to you because that's the yeah. exact advice, isn't it? Is the fact that do whatever you yeah. whatever you do tomorrow you're not going to do on Thursday because that's just yeah. the way life is at the moment. Okay. These, if, yep. Okay, No, you go.
0: Yeah, like even if you, like whether it's going to university for one year and then saying, you know what, university's not for me, I'm going to go travelling for a year. I'm going to work or I'm going to go work in Europe because Aussies have preferred rights in in, in the UK to work, right? Like the, even if you work in mcdonald's in a low-paying industry in a different country the things you will learn from that intercultural oh, yeah. understanding or the cross-cultural relationships you'll form will just be massive for your career right so like just say yes to everything experience everything like like there is no reason to say no when you're on the team in particular because you don't have bills you don't have like any real like reason to say no um, in
1: my opinion so like just say yes to everything love it Okay, the, the important questions now. What's your greatest achievement yes. in life so far? Oh, I like guess kind of create an organisation that's become quite sustainable. I'm
0: quite happy with that. Um, I am very proud of the work we've been able to achieve to make it this sustainable. Um, and that's kind of just days where you're like, this pl-, like we're going to close and um, the skills you learn from those days... I think has made us a very sustainable organisation. So I'd be pretty proud of that because it's just, if I die tomorrow, I know the organisation would be sustainable after me.
1: Who's the person or the people who have had the most influence on your career?
0: Look, I think it's been a collective effort.
1: And I think this whole idea of mentoring has been, like, it's
0: been turned into this very formal thing because although I've had, like, obviously, like you mentored me when I started my when I started 56 Creations, I then had mentors from the Foundation for Young Australians. I then had mentors from Westpac. I then had mentors from government. I then had mentors from so many different places. And I think, like, the traditional idea of mentoring is have one mentor and, like, spread your whole life with them. I kind of see this whole portfolio sort of mentorship where you don't have to necessarily say, hey, Brett, can you be my mentor? But it could be as simple as saying, hey, can I, like, can we go for coffee? What are your thoughts on this? And I think I've just got, like, 50 or 60 people that I know that in different different themes, different industries, different uh, topics, I know I've just got this support network that if I have a problem when it comes to say HR and legal, I will go to a section of five or six different people who are entrepreneurs who have been there and done that, that I've got a great working relationship with. I wouldn't consider them my mentors, but they do yeah. mentor me. Yeah. Um, and I'd just say it's been a collective effort whether it be um, yeah, from just so many different walks of life. Um, and I think that's probably like i think that's exciting that i'm i don't necessarily need to have one mentor it's i just have a support network of people that i know i could call on if i need advice and vice versa if they need advice they know they can come to me 100 Um, so i don't think it'd be one person per se but i've been super lucky i've met some really cool people like um like we were traveling with westpac we were in shanghai and like they'd gone all out on this trip and we're at the airport and I was in the bathroom and will smith was there <laughs> and like i was like this is kind of random and we ended up having like breakfast at about 35 to 40 minutes and it was myself four others from westpac and will smith and his security guard and like i wouldn't consider him a mentor but i learned so much <laughs> about humility and how like like just how normal the people that you aspire to be like yeah. like. Really are. Um, I wouldn't consider him a mentor, but I was mentored in that moment by him 100%. over the, over those uh, thirty-five to forty minutes. So, like, I don't think there'd be one, but no, I think love it
1: collective. Great answer. Team. Who's the most famous person you've ever met? Then is it Will?
0: <laughs> Will Smith was pretty cool. Um, we had the opportunity to organize an event last year um, where we had some of our alumni pitch to Al Gore, uh, the former U.S. Oh, Vice wow. President. So that was kind of yeah. cool. Um, so when Algo was in Brisbane, we had this kind. Of, we had a room in the convention center, and we had our alumni actually pitch their climate solutions to to, to like a former USVP. So that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, I think those two would probably be... the biggest. Like, yeah, like. Yeah, I love it. They've been the
1: coolest. I, and you yeah. can't get two more opposite people, so that's even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like the fresh Prince of Bel Air and the former Vice President of the United States. Yeah, I like, love it. Like just really cool people. So yeah, they've been fun. Okay, now my quick fire questions. You ready? Favorite food? Pizza. So. Favorite song? The
0: Australian national anthem.
1: I'm patriotic. I love it. Favorite place in the world?
0: Uh favorite place in the world. Gold Coast, I think. I love the Gold Coast.
1: What's next for Taj?
0: 100,000 kids. We've 60,000 kids we've worked with so far. The goal's 100,000
1: kids. And oh, i What's the date? 2025. 2025. Okay, mate. I want to be so out. We're at
0: 60,000 kids, so I'm
1: probably earlier than that.
0: I'm hoping we can do that in the next fin year, but yeah. We're going to say 2025 in case we don't get there, but yeah,
1: 2025. I'm coming to your 100,000 kids party.
0: Happy There'll be a lot of kids, I hope. But yes,
1: that's the goal. That's the goal. Awesome, mate. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed this conversation. As far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thanks so much, Taj. Thanks. What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcast. And I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels, as well as BJ Macker. Uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.